as you know, um, you've noticed, you had to have noticed the road construction, right? Like all over the map, on Atlantic Boulevard, down Beach Boulevard, at JTB when you're coming. And uh, I, was, I was driving the other day, um, well, I was driving a lot, and, uh, and, I, and I saw these big pylons, you know, these big kind of, uh, you know, the, the pylon, and then it has the thing like this, and it's where the road's going to go, Right? And I saw those, and they're marked out like they're already up. You know, they're already up. And, uh, and, and I just felt like the Lord said, oh, that's just like the Spirit, to go ahead of us, uh, to create space, or, or to show us how he's moving and what he's doing. And then, it's, and then it's kind of our responsibility to build the roads, you know, to, to, to connect the dots whenever the Spirit speaks to us. And, and I want to talk today about how we do that, that intimacy leads to power, okay? And so as we connect the roads with Jesus, and only with Jesus, will we know how to move, will we know uh, when to move, will we know what to do? And so a lot of, I'm going to get into this in a second. So I was seeing this on the roads, and the Lord reminded me of a, um, of a, a, a picture that I had, and what I mean by that, when I was being prayed for. And what I mean by a picture is it's not like the heavens opened up and angels were like swooping around me and I had this vision. It's just like in my mind's eye, I just, I saw myself uh, doing something and it was basically, I was on the edge of one of those pylons and the road had come up behind me. I was on the edge of this pylon and I was looking down and there was a big gap between the pylon I was on and the next pylon of kind of where I needed to go. And I was like, what the what? How am I? How am I going to build this section of road? I got no tools. I got, I got nothing to help me. And I felt hopeless. I felt anxious. I felt fearful. I felt like a failure. I felt reject. You know, all of these emotions I was feeling. And then in the midst of feeling that, in the midst of seeing that, again, just in my mind's eye, Jesus came up next to me. And, and we were both, and we were, he was just kind of standing there looking at the, at the void with me. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he just knelt down and he began to just lay a brick, and then he laid another brick, and then he laid another brick, and then he kind of invited me to do the same thing. So we're both side by side, and he, we were just laying a brick. He was telling me where to put it. He was telling me where the next, next brick went, and we were moving in, at his pace, and there was no fear. There was no anxiety. There was no worry, and eventually, as we just laid brick after brick after brick, as I just followed Jesus, all I had to do is follow Jesus, and as I did that, we just, in his timing, made it, we just made it to that next space. And, and the road was connected so that the ministry of the Spirit could be fulfilled through my work in intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today, is that it's only an enemy with Jesus Christ that we can know and fulfill the purposes of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. Because this is what happens. Often we hear a word from the Spirit, right? And we're like, boom, I'm out there. I'm going for it. And we don't draw close to Jesus. And the result is we find ourselves at the edge of a bridge or the edge of a precipice. We know the Spirit has spoken to us about where we're going to do, what we're going to do, where we're going to go. And, and we, but we feel this frustration. We feel this like anxiety of like, how am I going to do this? Lord, I know I've heard clearly from you, either through Scripture, through my friends, through ministry. I know you've spoken to me. Uh, and yet, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what to do next. And so one of two things happens. One is we jump ahead, right? Here's an example. So you're like, someone tells you, oh, you're a baker. I see a baker. And you're like off to culinary school, right? You're like, oh, I know what that means. I'm going to cook food. But what if 
like as you drew close to Jesus, he began to reveal attributes and your character and your spirit. Um, and you saw yourself as, the, as, the, as Jesus continued, as you moved close to Jesus, he showed you cutting off like dead pieces of, of fruit, dead pieces of meat, dead pieces of mushrooms. And he said, actually, I'm going to use you to bring healing to people. I'm going to use you to reveal brokenness in their life so that they can become who I've created them to be. Okay? Now, you're in culinary school thinking you're going to be cooking meals for the church, right? When Jesus actually has another plan for you that you got ahead of. Because you just you didn't draw close to Jesus and in intimacy with the Father, him continue to reveal. Remember, the Father's greatest desire is intimacy. It's for you to experience his love, for you to experience life in him. Okay? Now, the other thing that happens, so we get ahead of Jesus. The other thing that happens is the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we're like, yo, I'm not going there. That's far way down. What if I didn't hear right? So we have fear, and we have worry, because again, we don't, so we don't, we don't do anything. We're kind of paralyzed in our fear and anxiety. We don't move real quickly, but we just wait. All, and then, not fulfilling the purpose that we are created for. And so what, how do we feel about that? We feel like a failure. We feel like we're not getting to use our gifts. We feel like we're incomplete, right? So all of those emotions, all because we didn't draw close to Jesus and allow the Father to speak to us through him. This is one, I, I've always said this. I think one of the greatest differences, I mean, there's a lot of differences between us and Jesus, right? But one of them, when it comes to this kind of stuff, when it comes to being empowered by the Spirit, and it comes to fulfilling what the Spirit has called us to do, is that Jesus, it said, says, he perfectly heard from the Father, and he only did what he saw the Father doing, right? And so Jesus always knows how to connect the work of the Spirit to the next place, how to create the pathway for people to follow the Lord, he, to build the kingdom of God. He perfectly knows every time exactly what to do. But whenever we do that, it says that we see dimly on this side of heaven as the Spirit speaks to us. All right? That's why when we give words to people in prayer ministry, we're like, yo, I could be wrong about this. I sense this is what the Father's saying. I sense this is what the Holy Spirit's saying. But if it's not from you, Lord, wash it away. If it is from you, let it be like a seed that will grow in their heart. And the truth, the truth of what the Father wants for you will resonate with the Spirit that's in you. Right? And so we have to be intentionally aware all the time that we don't see or hear exactly what the Father's doing because of our brokenness still, because of the sin in our life, because of the wounds that we have. Now, sometimes we get real close, right? And some of the f- folks in our church that are gifted prophetically, they're gifted with dreams, and they're kind of an office of the prophetic that we bring things to. They, there's other, some of us, they have bigger antennas, and so they hear and see more clearly. But even they, if you listen to our most gifted, most mature prophetic people, they are the most cautious and aware of the reality that they could get it wrong and so they are always gentle in how they give a word okay so this is the slide i have for you it says when we try to do the work of the spirit without the intimacy of jesus there is power but no understanding of when and how to use it okay when we try to do the work of the spirit without the intimacy of jesus there is power but no understanding or little understanding or a clouded understanding of when and how to use it. We don't know when and where the bricks go, right? And so 
again, the Father wants to draw us close to Jesus for intimacy. And that's one of the reasons Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can lay no brick. There is nothing you can do apart from me. You can work real hard. You can try to do it on your own. It might even look like a bridge, but when, seven steps, when someone steps on it, you know, bye-bye. They're going to fall. So are you. Because it wasn't in step with what the Spirit's doing and with Jesus Christ, okay? It's like, I thought about this. You know, in three weeks, this is the dangerous thing about three weeks with me, as I just get flooded with uh, ideas, right? And pictures and words that I think I can jam into my sermon. But this was not jammed in. I think it really matters. I'm going to tell you two stories or two analogies that, that make sense of this. The first one is the balloon, right? If you blow up a balloon, inside the balloon... There's, there's a lot of power, right? You let the balloon go, and what happens? There's no steering. There's no direction. Lots of power, but the balloon just flies out of control everywhere. You don't know where it's going to go. You know what's going to happen, and it's because the power isn't harnessed. Does that make sense? And again, that's like us. Often we hear from the Spirit. God anoints us with power and authority to do what he has to do, but we don't wait for him. We don't go to him, and we're like a balloon that is out of control, filled with power. And often, that can hurt people. Often, it doesn't accomplish the things of the kingdom. Now, God in his grace, God in his grace, you know, he uh, often lets us get a little, little off so he'll pull us back and remind us of the intimacy and the dependence he wants us to have with him, okay? Um, the second imagery is this. I'll sleep. I thought about this. It wasn't a dream, but I don't sleep well. And I thought about this in the night, and I got, got up and wrote it down. I feel like it's a great illustration of this. Um, my dad was a sailor. I was a sailor. He used to build these little boats and big boats. And uh, he tried to sail across the Atlantic in this 18-foot Cape Dory. It was a world record at the time. And uh, he didn't make it. He tried three times. And he got hit by a submarine. He got caught in a hurricane. He got picked up by a finished ship. This, this is real. True story, right? He was definitely an adventurer. Um, and, so, uh, and so this is what a sailboat looks like, okay? The first kind of sailboat, a bigger sailboat... There's a keel, okay? See that brown thing at the bottom? Some of you can't see it. There's a rudder and a keel. And whenever the wind blows, okay, whenever the wind blows, the rudder and the keel prevent the boat from sliding with the wind, okay? I'm going to make, okay, and so, so if, if your boat's going this way, boats sail this way, right? And the wind is going this way against you. If you don't have a keel or a rudder, what happens? The wind just blows you off course. The power of the wind just blows you off course. And so it makes it really difficult to keep the line that you're going in. It's like a surfboard with no skegs, right? You, you can't, I mean, without skegs, you just go everywhere. You can't, you know, you can't go where you want to go. Okay, well, smaller sailboats, let's see, this little guy. This is like a sunfish, okay? This is what I grew up with. A centerboard does the same thing, okay? And so, again, the wind, feel, feel, remember, we've been using this analogy, right, with water's edge. We hoist the sail. The sail is filled with power, and then we're called to steer it in the direction of God wants us to go. Jesus is like the centerboard, okay? Jesus is the one who helps us keep the line that we're called to be on whenever the Spirit speaks to us to get to the next pylon. And so what happens is when we don't come to Jesus, it's like we're sailing without a centerboard. And the wind blows, and there's power. We're in the right place. He's given us authority. And the sailboat just gets pushed. And so if I'm trying to go here, the sailboat, when the wind's coming here, it just pushes me way over there. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to get to your destination. It just means you're going to have to work really, really, really hard to get there. And it's not the intended path that Jesus wanted you to go on. 
Everybody get that? Boom! That's a good analogy. Oh, yeah. I don't often get one of those. Woo! All right. I could just end here because that's like solid, right on. Okay. Okay, and so I just explained everything. As the Spirit leads us or shows us what the Father wants to do, Jesus shows us how to do it. I want to read this scripture in Matthew 11. It's one of my favorite scriptures. We teach on it a lot because it so reflects the heart of River City Church. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, one of the first reasons... One of the greatest desires of the Father is that we would draw close to Jesus. And as we do, he would heal our brokenness. As we do, he would take our burdens, just like we are singing about today, that he would carry what he has paid for. He has paid for our sin, and he wants us to give it to him. And when we draw close to him in intimacy, we do. Or he takes it from us. He takes it from us at times. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest for your burdens. I will heal your wounds. I will restore you. I will give you peace. I will comfort you. I will give you joy. I will bring you from the darkness into the light. And when you're in the darkness, I will walk with you. If you draw close to me, I will lead you through that. I am a light unto your path, and I will show you the way out. But why does he do that? Why does he desire us to come to him? Well, there's, there's two reasons. One is just because he loves, loves us to death that he is happy with us, that he has affection for us. And the second point doesn't diminish the first point because they're both equally important, okay? But the second reason is because in this scripture, Jesus calls us to not only be, come to him and be filled and be restored and be healed, but to also be yoked to him, to be yoked, for, yoked to him for the purpose of working with him, for the purpose of building the Father's kingdom, and so we are healed up, we are restored, we are filled with rest, we are filled with joy, so that when we are yoked to Jesus, we can become who he's created us to be. And who are we created to be? We are created to be kingdom builders. We are created to be people who, with Jesus, connect the road from one pylon to the other pylon to the next pylon so the fulfillment of God's kingdom can be built. We are builders. We are designed to be builders. That is the first and most important, th- second, or I don't know, as I said, they're both equal. They're both equal. Intimacy, connecting with the Father, but it's for the purpose of building the kingdom. When you get to heaven, there will be no more kingdom to build. When you, when you get to heaven... There will be no poor. There will be no lost. There will be nobody who needs to be evangelized. And we will worship and worship and worship and worship and enjoy the kingdom of God. But here on earth, we, can, we worship. But we not only worship in singing, but we worship with our life. We worship with all of our life in building the kingdom of God. That is worship, right? That is what we are purposed for. And it only happens whenever we connect with Jesus. It's only then that we can build the kingdom the way the Father desires to build it. Let me just say this. This is what a lot of us struggle with in believing this. A lot of us believe that we are the sum total of all of our experiences. That we are sum total of what we have accomplished and what we have done and what has been done to us. And that's a lie. 
You are the sum total of one experience. The, the, receiving, the experience of receiving, receiving Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on the cross to bring you freedom. All the things of this world will try to enslave you and make you believe somebody that you're not. You are light. He has set you free with the work of the cross because you are light in a dark world. He has set you free from sin and death because you are to bring healing and restoration to other people. He has set you on a hill. He has not hid you under a bushel. And you are beautiful and you are powerful and you are lovely to him. And when the world sees you, they see the very glory of God in you. When the world sees you, think about that. When the world looks at you because you are filled with the Spirit and you are filled with light, the world sees God's beauty. The, Lord see, or the world sees God's grace. The world sees how amazing and loving God is. And people are drawn to him to be restored, to find rest, to find joy, to find peace, and to find purpose. And that all happens as the Spirit moves through you. Jesus just says this. Don't look ahead. Antley, don't look ahead. Don't look behind. Stay in step with me. Get down with me. Lay the next brick. Show, let me show you what's next. And he says that to all of us. Draw close to me. And you only have to do the next thing. The next thing that I have for you. And in time, we will reach the other side. In time, we will accomplish what the work of the Spirit has for us. One of the things that the Lord has been saying to me is, uh, he's been literally saying that to me. He says, Antley, you just have to do the next thing I have for you. He says, don't look ahead. Don't worry about tomorrow. And this is, you know, familiar scripture from Matthew. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's next. Just come to me. Just come to me. The work is easy. There is no burden at all. It doesn't make sense that when we're intimate with Jesus, that we would have anxiety, that we would have worry like the world has, that we would have peace. An indicator that we are not being intimate with Jesus, that we are not spending enough time with Jesus, that we are not worshiping Jesus, is we feel all the same worries of the world. We feel the anxiety of the world. We feel the unrest of the world. Not that we won't at times be attacked. Not, you know, not that this world will be you know, unicorns and care bears. Not that this world is going to be easy. God tells us that we will be attacked. But in the midst of those dark times, in the midst of those hard times, the promise of Jesus Christ is that I have overcome the world. In me, there is a peace that supersedes what you're experiencing on earth. You know, Lex was singing out about it. You know, when she was saying, you know, when she was singing, you know, Lord, come into our experience of what we have going on in our life and lift us above it. I mean, that is like a prophetic word about what God is speaking to our church last, uh, right now. You know, last week we had that word from from Phil Swinney, you know, if you, I don't know what you know him by. And he was saying, this is what God's going to do in the church. He's going to draw us close. But now it is time that he has purposed us to build the kingdom of God. He's going to release the gifts in the church. And each of us, we're a body, we'll have different gifts. And you need to move with God as he is moving. That's the season that we're moving into. Again, that's a prophetic word for our church and what God's doing. It edifies the body. Now, some of you are thinking this. Well, I don't hear from the Spirit. I don't know where the next pylon is. And that's because I think we have kind of pigeonholed or we have kind of boxed in what it looks like 
to experience the Spirit or be led by the Spirit. You know, we're a charismatic church, and some of us, when we come to ministry or we're sleeping or dreaming, we get pictures, we get words, we get, you know, God's, he's just giving us revelation, and, and that's the way, you know, and that's what we've been going for as a church for 10 years, you know, because it was new to a lot of us because we came up through an evangelical background or a Baptist background where we weren't, we were never taught to do that, Right? But in the course of that, we have diminished the other ways, I think. Or maybe we've been distracted from the other ways the Lord speaks to us. The Lord speaks to us through his word, his universal word that is true. We can open it, and there it is. We're reading it, and the Lord just lays on our heart, this is the truth of my word, and this is, what, this is the next pylon for you. Or it may be in worship. You're worshiping. You know, and you see someone, or you hear something, or you experience something, and, you're, and the Lord's like, this is the next pylon for you. This is where I'm calling you. Or it can happen through a friend, right? A friend comes from you who is prophetic, who does receive pictures and words. They come to you and say, dude, I was praying for you. God put you on my heart. I was praying for you, and this is what I sensed. And this is what I feel like the Lord has for you. This is what I feel like the Lord's doing in your life. And that's the reason community and being a family and being a part of a body is so critical. It's so critical. Because not only do we receive direction from each other, we also protect each other from being, going in the wrong direction. Right? Because we've given each other permission when we are baptized in the church into the kingdom of God for people, for you, for the church for our body of believers to walk alongside of us and make sure that this is what the Lord has said to us, that calling comes out of community. I think Mother Teresa said that. And so there are lots of ways that God speaks to us. And one of the other ways is through opportunity and circumstance, right? And so like you're at work and all of a sudden you, like you're sitting in a cube next to somebody and you're like, whoa, my God's given me a heart to pray for them. I've never thought about praying for them. I've got work to do. And God just, through revelation or just through burning your heart, you're like, you just want to start praying for them. And so it's through opportunity and circumstance that Jesus comes to you. He draws close to you. And through the power of the Spirit, he shows you the next pylon of what you're supposed to do. And he says, just do this. Antley, just start praying for him. You don't have to talk to him. You don't have to like, you know, like cut out a cross and stick it to his, you know, cube when he's gone, right? You don't have to take him out to lunch and like Jesus juke him. Hey, I have a friend that I want you to meet, right? You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to do any of those things. The Lord laid on your heart to pray for him. You draw close to Jesus and he just says, pray for him, Antley. Don't get ahead of me. Don't get behind me, but pray for him. I want to end with a story um, about opportunity that the Lord led me into when I was in Cuba. Um, uh, we were at this church. It was in the process of building a church. And the church they were meeting in was three flights up, okay? And so um, one day they were doing stuff, and they're like, hey, how would, Antley, we would like for you to go pray for people. You know, people who are shut-ins, people that can't make it to the third floor, right? There's no elevators in Cuba, I don't think, anywhere. And, um, and so I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, and I kind of have my agenda, like, oh, yeah. I got this down. I'm a professional prayer. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to go do some healing, restoration. It's going to be powerful. Okay? And so I go to this lady. Has, she has one leg, right? And I'm like, well, this is obvious. And I start praying for her, and nothing happens, right? And then in the midst of praying for her, the Lord just gives me a word about you're going to the wrong pylon. What are you doing? Right? And so Jesus met me. And as he met me, then I began to pray what he wanted me to pray. 
And then the next lady I went to, she couldn't walk either. She had a husband. She'd been in a wheelchair for a long time. Again, I just did the same thing because I'm, I'm like slow, right? And, uh, and I just started praying. Nothing happened. And then I began, and then Jesus came to me and started to say, ask about her husband. And I said, hey, what's going on? You know, tell me about your husband. And she was like, he's not a believer. He doesn't know Jesus. And I said, well, why don't we pray for him to know Jesus? And we just began, and she just started weeping. And we just began to pray for her sal- the salvation of her husband. And at the end of the time, he wasn't even in the room with us. And we just went and met with him and talked to him and we loved on him. But at the end, um, there was a third, third thing that happened. There was a guy in the village that was kind of shunned. And I'll tell you why. And um, they told me uh, he's recently gotten cancer and he's going to die very shortly. But he became a believer two weeks ago. His name was Ricky. And, um, and so um, this is the last place I'm going, and I walk into there, and uh, the translator tells me um, none of his family are believers. He's the only one. And so um, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And now I've kind of wised up a little bit, and I'm just going to invite the Spirit to come. And, uh, and so I walk in, and they kind of introduce me to, uh, to Ricky, and he's laying in bed. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to pray for healing. He's got cancer. This is awesome. God loves to move, and, and, you know, with the poor. It's one of the ways or one of the people groups that he just loves. And so I'm thinking, God is going to heal this joker. I know he's going to heal this joker, right? And so as I'm talking to him, though, as I'm talking to him, there's this peace that he, that, that he has. And there's this, this, like, restfulness that he has. There is no anxiety. I mean, he's going to die soon, okay? He has got cancer all in his body, and he has no anxious, he's not anxious, he's not worried, he's not fearful, and, 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 I, and I felt like the Lord said, stop trying to minister to him and ask him, uh, ask him what's happening in his life because I want to minister to you, okay? And so I asked him, I said, uh, you, they told me to come and pray for you, but you have this rest and this peace and you're not anxious and you're not worried. And he says, um, yeah, I'm not. Because Jesus came to me, and he took those things away. And I don't feel any of those emotions anymore. Because I know that Jesus is with me, and I know that I'm with him. And regardless of what happens on this earth, I know, I know that I will be with him. I know that I'll be with him. And I said, well, how did Jesus come to you? And that was the question the Lord put on my heart. And I'll tell you this, and I don't want to, I hope I don't offend anyone, um, but this came on the heels of me doing those four talks on sexuality and, and, and people who struggle with same-sex attraction. And one of the things that I learned, that I taught in the church, is that one of the greatest struggles that people have in life, anyone who's single, anyone who's single, is the desire for affection, is physical touch, is people to comfort and hold and embrace them. And uh, Henry Nouwen writes a lot about this in his biography. And so all of that is in my mind, right? And this awareness that I have of the importance of physical touch and love. And so I ask him, I say, Ricky, tell me how Jesus came to you. And he said, one night I was in so much pain, I was in so much pain, that I cried out to Jesus, and Jesus appeared to me in my room. And Jesus came, and he got in bed with me, and he hugged me. And he loved on me, and my pain went away, and I haven't experienced any pain since. Isn't it just like Jesus when he moves towards us to heal us, to love us in exactly the way that we need it? 
And so here's Ricky. I'm like losing it, right? And the Lord is just overwhelming me with how good he is and how loving he is. And it happened through Ricky, who did what? He drew close to Jesus. The Spirit empowered him, and he changed all of our lives. Because the next thing that happened is I looked at the sisters, and I'm like, do you want this Jesus that he speaks about? Do you want the freedom from the pain in your life, from the worry in your life? And they're like, well, we like to drink a little. We like to dance a little. And the church just won't have us. I'm like, Jesus will have you. At my church, we dance a little and we drink a little. (laughs) And it's all good. It's all good. And they kind of got wide-eyed. And I said, "Um, said, will you let me pray for you? And they said, yes. And I said, I want to pray for you individually. I want to lay my hands on you. And I began to pray for them. And and I started to prophesy over them about how Jesus felt about them, about who they were in Christ and their identity and the love that he has for them. And I just broke away all the religion and all the things that they believed about themselves that the church had told them. And they were just bawling. And I don't know what happened, right? But it all happened as a result of the power of the Spirit moving as a result of the intimacy and the love that Ricky had experienced. It was nothing. I did nothing. I did nothing. I only built the road that Ricky set the pylon for in my faithfulness, in my obedience. Whenever we, wherever we are, regardless of where we are in life, Whatever our condition is, whatever we're struggling with, whatever's been done to us, the pain that we have in our life, or what we've done to other people, Jesus is coming for you. He is coming for you. He has bought everything. He has purchased every piece of your brokenness. He has bought every sin that has been done to you, every wrong that has been done to you, every way that you have been violated and taken advantage of. He has paid for And if you are somebody who has done that to someone else, he has paid for it. He has paid for it in your life. He is coming for you because there is a pylon that he has set for you that only you and Jesus can reach. And when you build the kingdom of God, he is glorified in you, in the world, and to himself. And the beauty of God is revealed through you. That's our purpose. Every one of us are called to come to Jesus and be kingdom builders. That's what the kingdom of God is about. That's what we're called into. That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Let's stand.